0: Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church. Discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm your co-host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. And joining me in the virtual studios on South Bend, Indiana, is the man who lost the battle for the chartreuse-colored
1: skittle, Ken Hilenius? <laughs> Ken, how are you doing, my friend? I am well, e- even if heartbroken. I mean, it was the most beautiful color. Chartreuse is, of course, is is it. A beautiful green opalescent green and it was going to be a great tasting skittle as well because it was actually going to taste exactly like the liqueur that's made by the monks of the grand charter house in france i mean everything that went around it i can't believe people instead voted uh for the uh the puce skittle uh puce just isn't even a handsome color <laughs> amen no, no no how's it going Ken? Things are good. So I think I mentioned last week. I know last week we were talking about kind of initiatives coming up for the To Nicholas Center. This uh, so after we're done recording here tonight, I'm going to be getting on an airplane and heading to Washington D.C. to uh, help co-host a roundtable discussion this week. Uh, we're going to the March for Life, and then next week when we record together, I'll be recording from uh, Salt Lake City, uh, well, from Park City, Utah, because I'm going to be attending the. Uh, Sundance Film Festival uh, next week, uh, I go to a conference called the Windrider Summit, which is a fantastic gathering of film students and professors and filmmakers and producers and actors who are interested in films that discuss issues of ethics and discuss you know issues of faith. And so the Windrider folks are just... Uh, we've we've had wonderful conversations and and seen great films, uh, you know about disability and dignity, and we've discussed like the movie The Exorcist and how it portrays questions of faith. So it's really particularly interesting in the context of the Sundance Film Festival, right? Which is the one of the premier movie events of the of the year, and a chance to discuss these topics with uh, students who are interested in becoming themselves filmmakers and and in the industry. And so uh, I'm really looking forward to that. It'll be a lot of fun. I've been uh, once before, and and um, and it was a, a great experience. Plus, I get to see films uh, bef- well before they make it to the big screen, and some films that never make it to the big screen because they don't get picked up. So it's kind of fun.
0: All right. Wow, what a unique experience. What an interesting job that you have, all the, the wonderful... <laughs> Things that you get to do—from pilgrimage to hosting things, uh, events on campus, pro-life events on campus—to going to film festivals, yeah, yeah, just yeah. to show you that the real um, impact that the faith has in culture, yeah, right, yes, yeah. Very so much. it's not—it's not, it's not just—it's not just the issues of faith, but it's really how we impact all of the the culture and society as well.
1: Yeah. And I'm actually taking two uh, uh, students here from the university that uh, one is in the, is a film television and theater major. The other is actually a seminarian who is also interested in, in uh, issues of, of faith and kind of the, what the media can do. And of course the congregation for Holy Cross, which runs a congregation of Holy Cross, which runs the university of Notre Dame has long been involved in the media. Uh, we think of the, of course, Father Patrick Payton, uh, who was involved in, in preaching the gospel, and, and, um, and then, of course, also involved in family theater productions, which has been producing movies and radio, uh, you know, since the earliest days of, of radio and television and theater. Uh, so these are these are folks that have been deeply involved in media for years, and so yeah, they're, uh family theater productions and Holy Family Ministries are part of the Windrider family. So I'll be interacting with with uh, Father David Guffey and uh, and others uh, from uh, the Congregation of Holy Cross while I'm there in uh, in Park City as well. So it's not that far right. off from what uh, what I've been involved in in my day in my day job. So yeah.
0: All right, fantastic. That's great. Yeah, so yeah, just for me, you know, I uh, recently did a parish mission down in Naples, Florida, uh which was great and the priest there and I are doing a pilgrimage together uh later this year to Greece. Oh fun. St. Uh, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully we can uh get some people if you're interested just go to my website digerard.com, click on the pilgrimages tab and see all the wonderful places that we're going to in 2023. And then I'll be heading out to uh, Bismarck, North Dakota, University of Mary. Sure. To give a number of uh, talks there. Actually, one of them, uh, there's, I'm giving several talks about the issues of race and racism there uh, on campus. Because right around, you know, Martin Luther King Day, you know, so they of wanted course. to have something for the students there. So they're bringing me out. And then also the last talk I'm giving is actually a pro-life talk as well uh, about the culture of life post Roe v. Wade, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And then uh, the end of the month, I actually head uh, to Zionsville, Indiana, which is near Indianapolis. Right. So it's a little south of you, you know, but I, I'll, go, I'll be speaking at a parish there and then also at a high school giving a faculty and uh, staff presentation, again, on racism. So I, I think I'm going to be talking about that issue a lot this year. So it's just My book is, is coming out later this year from Ignatius Press. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be uh, talking about that for quite a while, it looks like. Wow. Which is great.
1: Which is great. I mean, you know, you've been spending your time thinking about it and praying about it and researching. So you can bring the fruits of that uh, of that work. Some people like to read. Other people like to hear it. And so you're going to get a chance to share share the fruits of that research. So fantastic. Sure. well Deacon we have been talking about pilgrimage for the last number of weeks and uh, we're getting close to the end of our of our document that we've been sharing called the pilgrimage in the great Jubilee and uh, we're going to pick up our conversation tonight uh, with paragraph 34 of this document um, we've been talking last week about uh, kind of pilgrimage as a journey to To a tent, a tent of meeting. And this particular section begins with pilgrimages leading to the tent of meeting with the Word of God. So last week it was kind of focused on the tent of meeting with God, which, you know, is where we meet God face to face. And here we're going to start where we learn about the value in pilgrimages of listening to the word of God, to the scriptures proclaimed where we encounter the story of our history and the story of God's reaching out to us. So they say the fundamental experience of the pilgrim must be that of listening because the Oracle of Yahweh will go out from Jerusalem. And there they're quoting the scriptures. So the importance right here is of going and having a chance to hear the word of the Lord. Uh, And that's one of the fundamental values of pilgrimages. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, a beautiful connection with the
0: mass, because how do we start off mass with the with the liturgy of the word? Right. Right. So we're hearing God speaking to us in his word, which prepares our hearts, our minds and our souls to then receive him again, body, blood, soul, divinity in the Eucharist. So, I mean, I'd like to give just a couple of quick pointers to uh, folks out there, to all our listening family Livingstones listening family to how do you get more out of the readings at mass because sometimes you know uh you know the, the priest you know so through, we ask this through our lord jesus christ your son who lives and reigns with you in unity of the holy spirit god forever and ever amen we sit down and our mind is gone <laughs> right, right? right we're thinking about you know we're thinking about what's going on at work we're thinking about what's going on with the kids we're thinking i hope the lines not long at i hop after mass you know all, the, <laughs> all these kinds of things and and we really need to focus in more on how God is speaking to us in the word because we can't fool God. God knows what's going on in your heart. He knows what's going on in your life. Even though you're not, you're trying to hide it from others. You can't hide it from God because he knows you better than yourself because he made you. And he wants you to know in the midst of everything you're going through right now, that he loves you, that you're not alone. You don't have to be afraid that he's with you. And it's in that word, we first experience the touch of God's love where we, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to readings. It's like, Oh my goodness. I think God is actually speaking to me right now mm-hmm. in, in this mm-hmm. reading, you know, uh, cause God knows what's going on. He knows that we need that word. And of course the word became flesh and dwelt among us, but he still gives himself to us first in the scriptures. And so uh, again, mass as a pilgrimage, the, the word of God as a crucial step, along the way of that pilgrimage again to immerse ourselves in the word of God uh, and to find time as we talked about last time for silence to allow that word to percolate in our in our hearts and our lives to to really take hold um like a root you know you have you have to go down into the ground and take hold in order for the the plant to grow I think for either for us to grow spiritually we have to uh root ourselves more deeply in the word and in
1: the sacraments really glad that you've kind of pointed out again a point you you made multiple times during our our conversation on pilgrimages here is how even in our daily life even going to mass in our regular parish is a form of pilgrimage and that means we can prepare for that encounter we can prepare for this spiritual pilgrimage at our you know Sunday mass by preparing and listening and being attentive to what we're doing right here and right now I myself, uh, you know, I like to try to read the scriptures before I go to Sunday mass. I like to read the readings so that I'm ready. Cause as you say, Sunday morning, you know, you're rushing to church to get there. You, you find your pew, you, you, you sit down, mass begins, you're singing, you're reciting the penitential, right? All that. And then as we sit down, you're right. You, you begin to decompress and you're not actually listening to what is being proclaimed. And you know, Paul writes, you know, faith comes by hearing. You know, how can they believe unless they have heard? And it is in listening to the scriptures being proclaimed that it is reanimated for us. But I like to sit beforehand so that I'm actually able to pick up the thread so that I'm I'm anticipating what is being said. And then, as you say, that sometimes that provides an incredible insight because I'm reading the scriptures at home preparing for Sunday Mass, and then the lector goes and emphasizes a different word than maybe I had emphasized in my head. And I realize, oh my gosh, I had not thought of it that way. I had not thought of God speaking to me through the scriptures right here and right now, because I'd been reading it and anticipating one thing. God had a completely different direction through the mouth of the, the lector. Uh, and so, yeah, that can be a profound experience of, again, faith comes by hearing. And this is when we listen to the word of God, we encounter the word.
0: Just a little note for lectors out there too. That's why we need to prepare the readings, not just a couple of minutes before mass, Yes, but to immerse yourself in the word because you're actually proclaiming God's word and you know, when you hear a, a lector who prepared the readings, who's who's actually praying, in a sense, as they're reading, I mean, you could just tell there's a sense there that, oh, my goodness, this person has soaked in God's word. You know, this person is actually living what they're proclaiming right now, you know, in the word. It's just, it's just a, a beautiful way to help all the other people out there immerse themselves more deeply in God's word and ultimately in God's love. So please it's a ministry, right? So please take the time to minister well and prepare the readings. If you don't know how to say Melchizedek or Belteshazzar, you know, make sure you get those pronunciations before you go up there so that, again, the Word of God flows flows out of you from the pages in the book, flows out of you into the hearts of all the parishioners who are listening to God's Word. Amen.
1: Paragraph 35, pilgrimages can also lead to the tent of meeting with the church the assembly of those who are called together by the word of God to form the people of God. Being nourished by the body of Christ, they themselves form the body of Christ. So, much like we were just saying, when we go to Mass, we are part of the body of Christ. I mean, we're part of the body of Christ all the time because we've been baptized into him. But that is a visible manifestation of us being the body of Christ when we are gathered. And that is what a pilgrimage is, whether that be a pilgrimage to a shrine or whether that be a pilgrimage to St. Alice Parish down the street. We are part of the body of Christ and we encounter the church on this pilgrimage. And this then also highlights the value of uh, of parishes. Taking pilgrimages, you know whether that be your parish gathering as a group to go to a shrine in your diocese or or in a nearby diocese, a nearby place, whether that be your parish as a group going uh, to share a meal together at the lake, you know for your your summer parish picnic, something really joyful to think of at this time of year when we're when we're socked <laughs> in by cold and snow, but. Those are opportunities to travel together as a group to give witness to we are the body of Christ. We are uh, the hands and feet of Christ in the world. Uh, And um, it says... When they are done by a parish community, this is again from paragraph uh, 35, by an ecclesial group, by a diocesan assembly, or by wider groupings, pilgrimages become a sign of ecclesial life, so the life of the church. In these cases, it is possible, possible to be better aware of the fact that all participants form part of the church according to their own vocation and ministry. So deacon remains deacon. Your, your pastor remains the pastor. We, the faithful, remain the faithful members of Christ, but we together represent the body of Christ, the church. And there's a great title that's then used in this section, too, that talks about a pilgrimage having a spiritual animator. Uh, and they're referring specifically, of course, to the the priests and the ministers who are part of your pilgrimage group, uh, if you're, you're traveling, because these are the ones who, again, help nourish the spiritual life of the community on pilgrimage um but they have important ministry uh, and and need to be prepared themselves. And I know you, Deacon, have accompanied. You just mentioned. You know, you're going on pilgrimage with the pastor from Naples uh, on the in the footsteps of Saint Paul in Greece uh, this uh, later this year. So, uh, you too need to prepare for a pilgrimage. You have specific responsibilities uh, as one of these spiritual animators on a trip. What are some of the ways you prepare? Uh, well, one of the things that I do
0: is obviously spend time in adoration, you know, cause one of the things, and, um, you know, I kind of hate to put it this way, but I've been to some of these places multiple times and I just don't want it to be like, Oh, here we go again. Oh, I've been here already. You know, just kind of take it for granted. Sure. You know? Um, and I really ask for, okay, what can I learn this time? How can I grow this time? Uh, what can I get out of this experience that I haven't gotten out of my other pilgrimage experiences when I've come here, you know, all asking God for, uh, a, a, a deeper reception of his spirit, you know, for, for a clearer understanding of how he's working in my life at this particular time. Yes. I, I may have been to this place before, but it's been, you know, my m- what's going on in my life is not the same as it was the last time I was there. Right You know, So how am I different and how am I allowing God, you know uh, to expand my heart, to expand my will, you know, on this particular trip, you know, what, what does God want me to learn this time? You know, what is the lesson he wants me to take away so I could be a better husband, to be a better father, to be a a greater servant to the church as a deacon? You know, so so um, immersive. And that of course, that all happens for me in adoration. I just I just love adoration of the listeners don't know that by now, you know, (laughs) right, right, right. Um, You know, so so that's and and I also try to read a few things, too. Like um, if I go to the Holy Land, I have a number of books where it talks about the the history of Israel um what's going on in the land, some of the customs that are happening there. So I can maybe notice something or pick up something differently than um, than I didn't notice the last time or something new and fresh. You know, um so for exa- for example, you know, uh it, it talks about um, the camel passing through the eye the eye of the needle, right? It's easier mm-hmm. for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a, a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven, that whole thing. And so, so I say, go okay. The camel passed through eye of a needle. Maybe that's an idiom, you know? Like, okay, that because you eye of a needle because you think of a needle, sure, uh, yeah, the thread. I, of dead. course, that's impossible for a camel to pass through that, obviously. But but I come to learn that actually, when you know, there's there were the the, the nine gates that you entered in Jerusalem, right, and, and then the gates closed at a certain time. So if you're traveling. To With your goods and products on, of course, laden on the back of a camel, you know, uh, and you got to the city after the gate closed, there was an opening called the eye of the needle. So it was an opening in the wall uh, that you can enter into. But in order for an animal to enter into that, you had to take all of the stuff off the animal's back and then try to squeeze that animal through that opening in the wall. You know, so that they could, so you can actually get through. So you have to spend a night outside the walls of the city, so they called that the eye of the needle. So it wasn't necessarily impossible for an animal to get through the eye of the needle, but it was extremely difficult. And that was, I was like, "Whoa, hold on!" So that that gave me a different insight. Now, so when I go and I actually see, because that actually those openings are still there. You know, uh, in, in the you know, because obviously Jerusalem is built around the old city now, right? Uh, so right. they still have you can still see the wall in the inner part of the city, especially when you go down to the the Holy Sepulchre. But you see those gaps in the wall, and that's the what they call the eye of the needle. I'm like, wow, that's a so so I, I gain that insight. But then, what does that mean for my life then? <laughs> you see, right, right? So this eye of the needle, what does that mean in my life then? Am, am I closing my heart and not allowing? you know um uh, not allowing God to squeeze in like the camel squeezing through the wall am i am i is my heart so closed to not allow room for God to work in in my life you know am i you know am i close minded in that way am i not you know open to to people who disagree with me on on certain things yeah i mean you know yes at least listening to what they have to say you know not say so that they're trying to change my mind but am i open to listening Um, to a deeper reception of how God is working this other person in my life and me through them, you know, that, that whole thing, those are the kinds of things I think about.
1: That's really delightful. The uh, yeah. Or, or what do you need to strip away from your life? Uh, You know, what do you need to strip away from your heart in order to be, Single-minded and focused on the Lord, you know, what is what is uh, burdening you, as it were. So many different uh, points of entry there, as it were. See how that joke worked? That's a dad joke. Yeah, there you go, Point Ken. Gender, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the shrine is also the tent of meeting in reconciliation. Uh, this document goes on, paragraph 36. There, in fact, the pilgrim's conscience is moved. There he confesses his sins. There he is forgiven and forgives. There, he becomes a new creature through the Sacrament of Reconciliation. There, he experiences divine mercy and grace. This, I know, for me, has long been one of the um, most important aspects of going on pilgrimage. Both, while I'm on pilgrimage, having the opportunity to go to reconciliation, I mean, in some ways, it... I'm not going to lie to you, Deacon. I mean, I should never lie to you, and I don't, I try not to lie to you quite regularly. But um, when I'm on pilgrimage, I love going to confession to a priest that I know I'm never going to see in my daily life. I like the absolute freedom to be completely honest with myself and before the Lord. And the best part is that when you're on pilgrimage and you go to a shrine, where they have reconciliation, you're dealing with professional reconciliation dispensers. You're dealing with priests who hear confession and provide superb counsel and the divine mercy that is offered in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. That, for me, is a highlight of every pilgrimage. I love that. Um, I have a a very good friend from my days in the Dominicans who is uh, a Dominican priest, and he, uh, for a number of years, uh, sat in the confessional box at St. Mary Major in Rome, which is the The uh, church that is closest to, uh, you know, kind of the the basilica that's closest to Rome's Termini, the train station, main train station in, in Rome. And he mentioned to me that sitting in the box, he would hear confessions from people who would train all the way into Rome just to go to confession, they would get off the train, they would walk down the street to the basilica, they would go to confession, they would walk back to the train and go home because they lived in small towns in Italy. And, you know, if they go to confession to their pastor in town, they knew that they were going to see him buying bread the next day. And even if the seal of the confessional is absolute, they still had this thought of, I'd rather confess to someone that I'm not going to see in my daily life. And I get that feeling. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We should. That's that's an important point too. You should uh, encourage people that um you know. Although I I do believe priests receive a charism where they don't remember it. I mean, because oh, yeah. I I get that feeling. I definitely understand where that's coming from. You know, we because people often identify me just by my voice. Sure. You know, sure. so I can imagine a priest. You know, saying, okay, deacon, next time, God oh, dang, you knew it was me, you know. <laughs> but the the but the the priest is there to dispense God's uh incredible, loving, divine mercy, you know. And and so they they don't they don't remember, you know. Yeah. Um, but still, but I from a from just a human perspective, I could totally see that, you know. I myself go to Holy Rosary, a oh, parish sure. not too far from my own parish because of my travel schedule. They offer confessions every single day. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. just more convenient for me rather than to try to make an appointment and, and things like that. So
1: um but, yeah, encourage people to go. You know, uh another thing uh when I'm going to travel, I always I know air travel is is the safest form of travel. But I still I love to go to confession before I head out to the airport, too, because that's part of the pilgrimage. Right. If I'm going. If I'm taking students to Rome, if I'm taking students to the Holy Land, whatever it may be, before I get on that airplane, I want my soul to be ready to prepare to meet the Lord. Even though I'm going to get there and have the opportunity to go to confession while I'm on pilgrimage and things like that, confession is a gift. Confession is a blessing. It is a chance to encounter the divine mercy of the God who became flesh to become one of us, to show us the very face of of God, the face of God's mercy. And so the gift of reconciliation, even if it's to your, to your uh, pastor in your in your small town, it's a fantastic gift. Go to confession. Prepare your heart in your daily pilgrimage, in the pilgrimage of life that you're in. Always be ready to encounter the Lord and receive his mercy. And so, yeah, encourage people to go all the time. That's That's what I do. And that's that's what we do regularly here on the show. I know we we're, we're actually kind of like broken records when it comes to uh, encouraging people to go to reconciliation and adoration. Big fans of uh, encountering the Lord. We are. Yes. Amen. <laughs> amen. Yeah.
0: because You can see the fruits in our own lives, you know. So,
1: yeah, I think Absolutely. I think that's entirely true. I think that's partly what what makes us so joyful. Uh, about being catholic is that we avail ourselves of the sacraments that and and encourage and invite others to do the same and so Deacon, we've actually, believe it or not, run out of time tonight again, as we do because we got onto our favorite (laughs) topics. always happens. I know. You know, get onto our favorite topics and next thing you know, the the clock slips away from us. But uh, we do encourage you to encounter us uh, and our smiling visages if you're on Facebook. Go to Living Stones Media. You can also download previous episodes of the show so that you can voice print Deacon Harold's voice in your own brain so that you can recognize him wherever he is. You can download those shows at Mater Dei Radio.com. But Deacon, until we gather next week on our little pilgrimage here on the radio, might we have a
0: blessing? May well, Almighty God bless you and keep you the Father and the Son and the Holy
1: Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones.
0: You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Helanius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I-Radio.com.